Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Minutes with Mute, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, as Scott Mutrin joins us. You know him, former BC quarterback, sideline reporter for the Learfield IMG Radio Network for BC, and uh, an exciting win for Boston College last Saturday, 41-34 to over Missouri. So the Eagles are 4-0, and before we get to Scott, let me just remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. I know they're having a pregame party before Clemson this weekend, and they do it for every home game as well. Uh, So bcfootballgridiron.com, the BC Football Gridiron Club. Okay, with that, we welcome now the one and only Scott Mutrin. Scott, nice to talk to you. Some good circumstances. BC, 4-0. Yeah, nice, nice to be on it with uh, BC, 4-0 for the first time since I think Matt Ryan was there. And also the Great Iron Club, Paul, uh, Chris Yodi and crew, they, uh, the tailgate is free for this Clemson game. They, they waived the charges. I think I saw the email on that. So why not jump onto the Great Iron Club tailgate? Clemson's always a great place to see a game. Very friendly fans. Yeah, that Esso Club down there, always a good spot. Always, always a good spot. A lot of fun. Yeah. I, will be there. I will be there pregame because with the game starting at 730, there's yeah. no way I can sit in the hotel that long. So I'll be at the Esso Club for lunch, hopefully run into some people there and uh, have some pregame chats. There you go. I hope it's a nice sunny day for you down there in uh, Clemson. That should be a lot of fun. Um, okay, Scott, 41-34, back and forth game. I was there, you were there, you know, a crazy, crazy finish. BC, a nice drive, then a 56-yard field goal by Missouri to send it to OT, and then BC pulls it off, scoring, and then a Sebastian INT uh, to seal it. Just your general big-picture thoughts from this game. Well, I mean, towards the end, it's why can't we have nice things when they make a 56-yard field goal? I thought they, you know, I was hoping they'd play a little bit tighter, but, you know, there in the last couple plays, I thought, uh, you know, their their defense could have been a, just put a little more pressure on Missouri since they didn't have that last timeout, forced them to to throw in the middle of the field. But in that in that stance, I guess you got to look at it as if you're going to get a tying field goal up on a 56 yarder, it's better than some guy running behind you and giving up a touchdown on the last play of the game, which you've seen sometimes. So. Um, I, I guess that's that's okay to, to deal with. But uh, I think the biggest takeaway um, I took from that is that the, the offensive line's for real. Um, everyone was kind of wondering what exactly, uh, you know, they dominated some other performance, uh, some other teams, but could they translate it versus a bigger, faster, stronger team uh, from the SEC? And, and what you saw was, yes, they did. They did a good job protecting the quarterback, they did a great job in the running game. They really dictated terms on offense. And defensively, BC, uh, they're going to give up yards on defense. They played. They forced Missouri to kind of take the long way. They didn't give up a lot of big plays, minus a, a long touchdown pass off, pass off a trick play. Uh, but they're going to make teams 
you know, go the length of the field. They're, they're going to tackle. I thought the, the defense tackled extremely well in space in one-on-one matchups, which, which you have to do versus that type of offense. You have to be able, when you're one-on-one, you've got to get guys to the ground, and I thought BC did a good job of that. And then they did their customary turnovers. They had two big turnovers. Uh, one, you know, led to a field goal, and the other obviously sealed the game. So that's when you look at it. There's always room for improvement, but you kind of are getting a feeling of of what this team needs to do to win. So Pat Garwell, uh, 25 carries, 175 yards, averaging seven uh, a carry, two TDs. And you mentioned that offensive line's got two. Uh, just pretend you're talking to a layperson. What are the key ca- characteristics that comprise? An off, a good offensive line. What, what are fans looking out for, and what should they look out for as we progress uh, next couple games here uh, from a BC perspective? Well, I think there are the couple things that I look for is, you know, you, you, you won't, well, there's two separate aspects for me. One is as a whole, and then there's kind of what do I individually look at. As a whole, uh, you look at guys that trust, trust the guys next to them that do their job. Uh, some of the biggest issues you run into with certain offensive lines is if they don't trust the guy next to them, they either try to do too much and they go outside their responsibilities, which ends up screwing the whole thing up. An offensive line is five individuals that literally have to work as one, unlike any other unit in football. Um, you know, every other unit in, in football can, can work on an individual basis and win a one-on-one battle. An offensive line has to work Five is one based on certain run block, run scheme calls and on certain pass scheme calls. So they have to be able to trust each other. And, and then when you get to the individual aspect of it, I look at it, you have to have a certain level of nasty. Um, yes, you have to be athletic and you have to, to be smart to understand a lot of the different things that are going on. But you have to have a certain want to that you want to put that guy in a body bag in front of you. And you, you want to win. And you want to not just beat him, but you just want to kind of take his soul. And you, you play through the echo of the whistle, you play with edge, you play with nastiness. And those are the two kind of things that I think you need to look at to have a successful offensive line. And, you know, BC really possesses that right now. Their they're five guys up there are doing a great job on not just run blocking, which we've seen plenty of in the past, but also in the passing game. I think they've done a good job um, – doing a good job pass blocking and also picking up some blitzes. Missouri got home on some blitzes, but sometimes they're going to win. I think overall they've they've done a very, very good job this year. Okay, and then I always like to get your perspective as a former QB, Dennis Grossell, 18 for 29. Two TDs, one pick, and 175 yards overall. I thought it was a you know, fairly manageable, good performance by uh, Grossell. Yeah, I think Dennis is, is kind of growing into – what his capabilities and what his expectations are um, from him. I think, you know, he's not going to be five. He's not going to be Phil. He, he, he just doesn't have that, that kind of, kind of skill set. But he does have the ability to run the ball. He's got tremendous leadership. The, the guys in the huddle love him. And then you know he's a guy that's going to sell out and do whatever he has to do to win. He had such a huge play on fourth and three where he uses his legs, extends the ball to, you know, to, to get the first down, which leads to a touchdown. His grit and will and want to win is so there that it's infectious for that team. And um, I think that, you know, he starts out and his first pass is intercepted. 
And then he had another one that probably could have been intercepted in the red zone. So if he cleans some of that stuff up, uh, it'll help. But I think the biggest thing that you notice from years past in watching BC teams is we kind of expect the run game to be what it is. You, you want to, you expect that a successful, good running game. But now you're, what you're seeing is that playmakers on the outside that create space, that when teams want to put extra guys in the box and go man-to-man, BC's got guys out there that can win. And, you know, Jaden Williams had a great touchdown where he put, you know, the, the cornerback for Missouri in a blender. Zay Flowers is creating a lot of space. First touchdown drive. I mean, you watch, he wins a huge third down battle, gets a 24-yard game, next play, Garwo to the house. Like, those things kind of get swept under the rug because you just see the end product. But you're starting to see guys that can win one-on-one matchups. C.J. Lewis did a really good job. I thought Jalen uh, Gill coming back was nice. He's a really good complement to that passing game. And Trey Berry and the tight ends did a, a good job as well. When you have viable passing options, it really puts the defense in a bind because instead of focusing on one thing, they got to be able to respect uh, both the run and the pass. And it's tough for a defense to have to do that. Yeah, you can't load up the box. You're right. And uh, now let's shift the gears the defensive side. I kind of heard you mention, I, I kind of vibes from it. Do you think kind of BC now his mindset is settling into a, a bed but don't break type of defense that we were kind of used to with the Spaziani years, Tom O'Brien years, and a little bit less the Don Brown blitzing? How do you kind of evaluate the defense? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. For me, I think if you, you look at it right now, besides really uh, Shita Salah, there's not a lot of guys that are going to win one-on-one matchups to get to the quarterback. So for BC to get um, pressure, they have to bring heat, but they have to be mindful of the big play behind it. Is it is the risk reward worth it? And you, you want to, you know, do you want to say it's like Spaziani? I think they're a little more multiple in some of their their form, uh, their coverages, and some of their looks. So I wouldn't call them as vanilla as those kind of eras. Of that kind of era, but I think they realize that they want to make teams have to go the long way, and are they going to be patient enough to do it? And what you saw with Missouri is they had some drives where they were patient enough, and they were willing to kind of take seven, eight yards a clip and and go down the field and then get rewarded for it. But some teams get impatient. Both interceptions, they tried to go deep and take some shots, and BC was able to get turnovers off that. So I think that's kind of the formula they're they're counting on. I think they did a good job in the run game. They only like 25 rushes for 77 yards is, is a good number because when you're able to eliminate one of those facets, just like we were speaking on the other side, uh, if you're able to eliminate that other facet of the game and you can focus on pass defense, it allows you to be a little more creative and a little more aggressive. So I, I think they did a really good job uh, of tackling, and they did a really good job of containing the run game. Um, and you gotta, you're going to give up yards in college football. I mean, you can't look at it. I think that's an old stat to look at nowadays. 
just the way the game is, you, you're going to give up yards. You just got to eliminate points as much as possible and try to get turnovers and be good in your red zone. Okay, so BC four and all after win over Missouri, and now we the ACC schedule has it, it's kind of hard to believe actually, Scott. We haven't played an ACC game yet this year, but here we go. Clemson they lost twenty seven to twenty one to NC State in overtime. I'm getting a lot of questions the last couple of days from a BC perspective. The week before, do you think it was good that Clemson lost or not so good? It kind of made them a little awakened. Uh, what's your take on that whole situation now going into BC Clemson? Well, I don't necessarily think Clemson um, awakened because of you. They didn't. They haven't been great on offense this year. They've really struggled in the in the in the passing game. And DJ Wongalele is uh, has not been as good as he was last year. Just to be honest, from the Notre Dame game and the BC game, he he struggled. I don't know if that's something with him or with the guys around him or his offensive line. That's. Uh, you don't know what it is, but they've been out of sync the entire year. They have not been the explosive offense that you've seen. Um, they've had some injuries. They, they lost, their freshman running back, who has done very, very well, got, uh, got hurt at the end of that NC State game. I don't know if he's going to be available this week. But, you know, they've lost, they've lost some guys, and I think they're, they're kind of struggling to find their identity and what they want to be on offense. And they're just not consistent enough in the passing game. And that's been evident. Through, through all of their games besides one against a very inferior opponent, but their two conference games and the Georgia game, they've struggled to, to find any sort of consistency in the passing game. And because of that, they've just been able to really be the powerhouse and point-scoring machine that you're used to seeing. And then when we so we go to the game. What do we expect? What's the kind of keys? What your fans look out for for against Clemson uh, from BC perspective? I think you're going to have to look at BC's got to be stout versus the running game. I think Clemson's going to want to try and run the ball and force you know BC to stop them in that aspect. And they're always a team that's going to take their shots. They're going to take shots down the field. They're going to look to hit big plays. Um, and you just got to be able to defend them. And whether, you know, if you can stop those, then you avoid giving them any momentum and get that crowd going. And then you can stay in the game. And let's, let's be honest, BC, BC was winning through most of the game last year down there. It'll be the third consecutive year you're playing in Clemson, which is ironic in, in my yeah, eyes. But yeah. um, you, you see that BC was – was in the game versus I think probably a, which was a better team last year. So you got to feel good about their chances to go in there and compete and, and give them everything that they can handle. Yeah. You know, with the COVID that's, that's the kind of the excuse they're using with schedule. It was a little messed up, but you're right. You know, if you're a BC fan, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth to have to go down there three years in a row for a conference game. I don't know about you, but that, that doesn't sit too well with me. Oh, I mean, it shouldn't. It's not really, uh, not really kosher to tell you the truth. It should be. It should be a little bit more evenly dispersed. You would think that they would have made that correction this year, but I mean, it is what it is. And as Coach Halfley said so eloquently last week, if you know if they want to play in a parking lot, I'll play in a parking lot. If they want us to come down there, I'll get on a plane and go there. I don't care where where we play. I'll go play anybody anywhere. So I think. That's the mentality he looks at it. I don't think he's looking at it in any negative light. He he's, he just wants his guys to go out and play and be ready. Yeah. Um, kind of an anytime, anywhere mentality, and I think that's the right mentality. 
to go in and be an oh whoa with me we got to play there three years in a row that's just you're already built in an excuse and as I think as you've gotten I think the, the best thing about coach Halfley is a lot of people have because of um, the fans and everyone being back, you're starting to get a little more of his personality when you see the interviews after the game and you see some of his, his press conferences is that his mentality is a, of a no excuse, I want all comers. And I think his, the team takes that identity of their coach. And, and I think that's a, that's a positive thing for, for people to look at where in, some people will look at it in a negative way that they have to do it. I think he's just looking at it as an exciting opportunity to go down there and do some good things. So it's you know it's a big time opportunity here, Scott. This is one I was kind of thinking about it. When's the biggest game this has been since when? I'm you know maybe 2008. There was error 2013, maybe 14. But this is no question about a big game. Clemson's now 25th in the nation. They fall in BC. The other receiving votes approximately 27th. And BC hasn't beaten a top 25 team on the road since Florida State in 2008. So a lot's at stake here for this one early on in the season. Yeah, with, without a doubt, it's a, it's a great challenge. You, you you start off your conference schedule yes. with the, the, the returning champion for many years in a row, and then you follow it up with the team that just beat them. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting to see is that it, it the dynamic of college football now is you're seeing a lot of these teams that are perennial powerhouses struggling a little bit. Besides Alabama, you've seen Ohio State struggle a little bit. You've seen... Uh, Oklahoma struggle a little bit, and some was it some of these other teams catching up? Is it because of the transfer portal where kids maybe go to these schools and then if they're not playing, they leave and they don't have to sit out? Is that part of the dynamic in college football? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see how the how this plays out for for the rest of the year because of just because of the dynamics of everything. And it's interesting to see is like the ACC's gotten a bad rap. Is it? Because of some of the non-conference things, is it because uh, is Clemson, you know, with Clemson being down, does everyone just necessarily think that the ACC as a whole is weak or because Miami hasn't played well? Or are some of these other teams better? Like, you got to give other teams credit, especially, you know, you look at NC State and Wake Forest, they've gotten better. They've started out and they've, they've looked good. They're good teams. So is the depth of the ACC getting better? And they're closing the gap on Clemson or or not. And I think that you're going to see that in the next three to four weeks and, and really be able to have a good feel as to what the rest of the, the conference looks like. It should be it should be fun. And I know one stat that I would put on the locker rooms, you know, the series BC-Clemson, Clemson has won the last 10 straight. So if I'm a BC fan, I know these players weren't here for 10 games in a row, but geez. I don't know. That that's that's something you want to squash on Saturday. No get that out of the picture. Yeah, I think you know, it's tough to get caught up in that cuz as you said is that you know, a lot some of these guys have never played Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. These guys have played them a couple times, but each year is different and you can't nothing from 9 years ago is going to help Clemson win this year and nothing is going to you know, make BC lose from what happened in the last nine years. I think they really just need to go on and just look at themselves and this year's team as to what they can do and how they can go down and win. And as evidenced by the, you know, the lines, it's 16 points. A lot, you know, a lot of people don't think BC has a really good chance to to win and go down and compete against Clemson, uh, based even with Clemson kind of being down from years past. So, 
obviously a lot of people don't view BC as being a legit 4-0 team. So, you know, I'm sure that's a little bit of chip on their shoulder too because they want to be like, hey, we're, we're a pretty good team and we want to go show it. All right, well, Scott Mutual, you know, this game's on the ACC Network, Scott, so you might be getting some increased listeners on Saturday. A lot of people, Comcast, New England, they don't have the ACC Network. So, uh, you know, we might be seeing, uh, hearing from you a little bit more this weekend. <laughs> well, please, please listen in to the broadcast. We'll have fun. It's a 7.30 game, uh, you know, which is always exciting, getting, you know, that's, the long day to be sitting around waiting and then uh, getting home at four o'clock in the morning is yes. always enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you come home with a win, it's it, the, the plane ride home is is much better. But uh, it's uh, you know listen up, listen into the game to to meet her, Cronin, Cronin and I, and we'll have some we'll have some laughs, we'll have some good analysis, and uh, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, have a victory. And what about the food? We gotta talk about that pregame wise. So club and what else? <laughs> yeah, so Clemson does it right. There's usually a really good press box food in there, and they uh, they they're top notch all the way. Uh, expect to go to the So club, probably watch the early games there. Head over to the stadium, eat at the stadium with. They usually have um, you know a nice. A nice spread of food with a little southern flair to it, which I always like. There you go. Uh, it's, it's nice to enjoy that. That's always a, a good spread there in the press box. They do a good job. But uh, was happy to have my uh, clam chowder last week. I got up there, even though it was a little warm. Got my clam chowder with a little hot sauce in there. I was telling all the uh, Missouri people they thought I was crazy, and then they kind of they kind of tried it, and they were like, "Wow, this is pretty good." So, <laughs> want some hearts and um, want some hearts and stomachs of the um, Missouri press people uh, with my recommendation last week. <laughs> there you go. Maybe the Clemson people will return the favor to you now this uh, coming weekend. Should be fun. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, Scott. Well, hey, thank you again, and yeah, hopefully, we talk it next week. Five and zero, BC. Hopefully, hopefully, and then. Uh, Hopefully the uh, boys are ready to go down there and uh, give everything they have. I, I think you're going to see a good effort from this team. I think they were excited to get that win. I, I think, but they didn't. Uh, I think they expected to win last week versus Missouri. I think they felt that they, you know, deserved to, to be in the mix. And I think that once that game was over, they were they were of that mindset that they were ready to get after Clemson right away. They weren't really basking in that victory and feeling super good about themselves. They they kind of want to go down and start their ACC schedule off on the right foot. All right, Scott. We'll, we'll be watching, listening to you, and uh, have a great broadcast this weekend. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Okay, we're done with that. Thank you.